for all NBA for all NBA warriors. You are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. What up? It's Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast, and we're bringing a special extra bonus segment or actually show for you. It's not even a segment, but we just thought that Jonathan Kaminga was worthy of his own little short episode to discuss him. Justin and I, well, Justin really, and he's giving me the update, but we're tuned into this Bucks rockets game, and it looks like the Bucks are about to blow it, which is not ideal because the Warriors are about to play them next. And I just don't understand, Justin, why teams always want to beat the teams we're about to play and send them to us hungry. That's what they did with the Mavs, too. That's why when the Mavs were playing, I was like, I can't decide if I want the Mavs to win or lose this game. I want them to lose because it helps us in the standings, but then they're going to be, like, hella motivated to beat us because it would be three in a row. Um, so is it looking like the Bucks are going to lose, Justin? Oh, yeah, it is. It's like 10 seconds left. They're down by five points. It's looking like they're going to lose. And I mean, they've won four games before this in a row. So, uh, I don't know. But you know, everybody already gets up the Warriors. Right. I, I think they're going to bring it anyway. So anyway, um, so Jonathan Kaminga has been in the last – so there was the Celtics. The game before that was Utah, right? Was that the heartbreaking game that we lost, that they shouldn't have lost? So it was Utah before that. And then before the Utah game, there was another game. Indiana. What game was that? Was it Indiana? Okay. But he's played well. In the last few games. And yep. he definitely played really well in that Utah game that they lost. Like, I don't even want to count that game as a loss because they were really supposed to win. Yeah, he played well in the Indiana game, too. He came in and, and right. injected some energy into the team when they just looked dead and uninterested. That's uh, what I thought. So I'm looking. So it was like, even though they had two L's before the W, what we were all seeing and noticing was that Jonathan Kaminga have been playing really well. And it's not just because of like, you know, if you look at the box score or whatever, right? You look, he played 23 minutes, 10 points, two assists, four rebounds, whatever. But it's not really even like the output. It's just like what he's doing out there on defense, right? Like all those other things are good too. So I'm not saying they're not, but it's like what he's doing out there on defense. And he seems to be starting to get, the Warriors system. So with each game, he looks a little better and a little better. So everyone's been excited about him. Before the season started, and even at the beginning, as we've been like kind of breaking down the Warriors games, like we were like, we need like one of these young guys to pop, you know? And I think maybe even coming to the season, I mean, you did always kind of say you thought it would be hard for Moody to break the rotation, but I think there's always sort of been this idea that Moody would be the one who would kind of get things sooner because, like, he wasn't as raw as Jonathan Kaminga, right? Um, but and maybe it's just because Kaminga's getting the time on the court and Moody isn't. But it seems like that player who's going to, like, pop for us this year is going to be Jonathan Kaminga. So what have you been seeing for him? I know you've always kind of mentioned, like, like he's best if he's like in the GPT GP two role from last year, you know? Um, but like, what are you seeing from him that like makes you most happy? 
Um, just his aggression, fearlessness. You know, they've essentially just said, yo, you're going to go out there and guard the best players in the league for us. Um, and he's like, all right, like, they're not going to score on me, you know. And he's held his own. He's He projects as one of the best wing defenders in the NBA, you know, very, very soon. He stays in front of guys. And he's not he's not quite like the pickpocket that GP2 was. Like, GP2, you dribble twice in front of him, and he's just taking it the other way. But guys just can't get by him. Um, it's hard to shoot over him. And he's surprisingly very disciplined for a player of his age. You know, like, guys give him pump fakes. He stays down. Um, he doesn't, like, foul a ton. You know, he did foul out against the Pacers, but I think that was just him playing with energy, trying to get them back into the game. And, you know, he gets called for some crazy – the Warriors in general get called for some bad fouls. But, yeah, just his energy, his attention to detail um, has gotten so much better. And he he gets better, it seems like, every few games. Like, he picks something else up and he adds it to his game. And he just gets more and more comfortable out there. So that's really the main thing that's, that stood out to me. You know, I think coming into the league, his athleticism obviously has popped, but his the mental side and his, the focus and the aggression, you know, is what sticks out the most right now. So once he sort of de- develops, though, the reputation as a defender, as a defensive player, he'll start to get more of those calls from the rest, like, or I should say less of them, where they give him the benefit of the doubt and they don't, like, call him for everything, right? Yeah, hopefully. That that's typically what what goes on. Guys with that reputation get a little bit more rope with the reps. They can be more physical. You know, see you see Dre get away with some stuff. You see Looney get away with some stuff. Guys like Patrick Beverly definitely. Um, but guys like Steph, who have the reputation of not being a great defender, gets called for everything ticky tack. So hopefully, Jonathan can like gets that, that like that play like in the game last night when like Steph was just like moving with the guy. Like yeah, he put two hands on him, but it, it wasn't a foul. Like, what is this? Right. You haven't called that all night, and now you're calling this on, like, what, the face of the NBA? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it, that happens to Steph all the time. The, the landing space foul doesn't apply to him, but let him breathe on somebody while they're shooting. It's a foul. It's a travesty. But, yeah, Kaminga, let's talk about Let's talk about more about Kaminga. Yeah, and I wanted to give – I do want to give Kaminga his flowers, but you brought up um, Loon. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Loon doesn't get enough flowers. Like, I mean, I he think doesn't. the fan base now we give it to him, but like in terms of who he is as a defender in the league, I don't think he gets enough flowers. And like, it's something about him, but Loon really, I mean, it's in many games, but like he really gives the Celtics problems. Yeah. Because, you know, they're a team full of wings, right? And he's essentially a really big wing, right? He's, he doesn't have the, the the legs to move the way he used to move on offense so that's why he's more of just like a center now but when you when you play a team like the Celtics especially without Horford and without Rob Williams playing then he's the biggest guy on the court right Blake Griffin's a big strong guy but he's never really been like a super physical inside player to go grab and bang a bunch of rebounds he's like I'm gonna jump over you type of guy and Grant Williams is a good player, but he's not that type of player either, right? Looney is like, okay, if the ball is near me and you're not Steven Adams, and even against Steven Adams, he gets boards. But if you're not like a huge player that's just tiring over me and put me under the basket, I'm going to grab the rebound, whether it's on offense or defense. And that was just something I guess I didn't really think about going into the game, but they're missing their two starting bigs. 
I, you know, it, it's a kind of no brainer at this point. You think Looney's going to have a good rebound tonight? And what do you have like 15 rebounds? Yeah, guys are just too small for him. Like his arms are super long, and he he's one of those like special rebounders where he understands how the ball's coming off the rim. He understands when to time his jumps and all that type of stuff. So really, really special in what he does well. He's one of the best in the league at everything that he does well. I mean, I feel like I'm starting to see the makings of our defense, right? And so it's like, we already knew about Loon. You have Draymond. We're about to get back to Kaminga. He's coming into form. But you also have Dante, who... Dante's doing... like I feel like Dante's like sneaky, like under the radar also. Like not kind of getting the attention. But he's sort of somewhat of a menace out there on defense. It's not in the same way as like GP2, but he's mm-hmm. just very disruptive, you know? Um Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a pest. He's going to get under your dribble. He's going to get under you when you catch the ball. He's flying through passing lanes and stuff like that. He just plays really really hard and he's also very smart, right? So it's kind of like he gambles sometimes and he gets burned, but for the most part he gambles having a plan which, you know, that's that makes for a very dangerous defensive player. We all thought, like, he was going to be in the GP2 role but give us more offensively, and he's given us some offensively, but the jump, the three hasn't really been, like, as, I guess, prolific as we thought it was going to be. We thought he was going to be a consistent, maybe one to two, three-point shots a game type of guy. He hasn't been that, but he's doing all the dirty work, and that's essentially what you need on this team, right? You already have all your scores. You have most – you have all your ball handlers, really. And his job is to go in there and make guys uncomfortable, fight for rebounds, um, just be scrappy. And that's just what he's done really his entire life. We, we've seen that even in Villanova. So now when you bring Kuminga into that, right, like mm-hmm. wh- what does that mean potentially for the team's defense and like their ceiling and what can they be? Can they be a top five defense? I think so. Yeah, I mean, they've been the top five defense since – um, like early in the season after that road trip, they've been like top tier in defense. I think their defense can be even better. Uh, I think when the when it all when it's all said and done, and it's like, all right, you got to win this playoff series tomorrow. There'll be a top two defense. You know, like they're all their main guys are going to play a lot of minutes, and one, as long as they're playing all their guys a lot of minutes, they're going to be the best defensive team in the league most likely um, over the course of a season. I'm still I still think they're waiting on that one player that they can get um in the front court so you can play Jonathan Kaminga more because you can have more uh lineup versatility with a with a front court guy that can shoot the ball. Uh but once they do that, I think the sky's the limit for their regular season defense as well. It's just regular season offensive and defensive rating, it it obviously is heavily influenced by your main guys, but it's it it takes into account like a lot of your deep bench guys that just come in and don't just completely sink the ship, you know? So they're waiting on a guy. So before Wiseman got sent to the G league, right. Part of the issue with playing Kaminga was like him and wise sort of operate in the same space on the court. So, or rather like, Kaminga wasn't really a three yet, so you needed him to play the four. So um, he's back, 
well, Wiseman isn't back, but like Kaminga's been reinserted into the lineup and he's playing more, but he is playing at the four. He's not having to play like the three. Um, but you were calling for that. Like, I mean, when I say you were calling for that, like a lot of us were like, just give, you know, give Kaminga a chance, like let him play. Like, it's okay. Let him make a few mistakes, but it was better to have him out there. Um, but is this like what you envision he could be like if he was getting time on the court and getting the reps? Like, is this what you were seeing for him? Yeah, for sure. Um, he was doing a lot of this stuff last year. It was just, you know, he was obviously making more mistakes as a, as a rookie. Uh, and he was kind of calling his own number a lot more as a rookie. But, yeah, this is exactly what I envision. Just a guy that can infect the game with his athleticism first, go out there and just – dunk on somebody go out there and just sky for a rebound that nobody can get to before you go out there and stay in front of a guy for 94 feet and just eat up the other team's shot clock stuff like that but the mental side like i said his iq has gotten so much better um his focus and understanding his role and how he's a cog a part of the entire machine instead of just a shiny object that needs to showcase all of the skills at all times that it's, it's going to continue to pay dividends, and I think um, the sky's the limit, right? Because then once you really understand that and they, he gets more comfortable with the guys, then they start finding him even more, right? And then they build the chemistry even more. So I think the sky's the limit for him. And so this is, like, what Kerr was referencing when he, like, wants him to be, like, Sean Marion, right? Like, you know, or at least the way Sean was, like, early in his career. Um, so... Do you, I mean, Kerr has a thing for like veteran players and older guys. We know that already, right? Like that's just how he is. Um, and I always hear like Marcus Thompson and 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 Slater, like um, on their podcast, they make this point that like it's certain kinds of mistakes that Kerr doesn't like because like, it's not like Anthony Lamb you know, wasn't out there making mistakes, but yet he still kept getting the chance to play. But like Moody can't get back on the court. And like, yeah, we know there may be some other reasons for that. Cause just also like positionally, but you know, Kaminga couldn't get back on the court, you know? Um, but there was also like a lot of talk, you know, that would come out like about like, Oh, I don't know. If people were like, I don't know if it was attitude, if it was work ethic, you know, kind of the reports were sort of vague, but it was just like sort of this idea, like sort of like he already thinks he's that guy, you know? Um, so now that he's back and playing well, you know, there's sort of this thinking like, oh, well, like, see, it was good for him that like they sat him. Um, and I'm like, was it? Like for me, I look at it and I feel like we just wasted time. You know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I feel like it was like just an exercise and, and I don't know, but I just feel like coaches have this thing, you know, a lot of them, not all, but I think there's this like, you know, and maybe, maybe Steve Kerr isn't to this degree, but you heard like Matt Barnes sort of talking about it recently when he was talking about like um, Nate McMillan and like those old school coaches and that kind of like, you know, it's like this need to kind of like assert 
you know, your control and dominance and like the players, you know, have to listen to you and be a certain way. And so when I feel like when it comes to like a Jonathan Kaminga, I would always hear, you know, a lot of fans say, well, you know, he needs to earn and prove. And I'm like, I feel like he's already earned and showed he should be on the court based on his past play. And I'm like, how are you guys surprised that a number seven pick is confident and thinks that he should be out there? I prefer him being confident than being like Wiseman, on the other hand, who it's been noted to say, like, he takes things so personally, you know, um, really, really hard on himself, you know, because like Kaminga, he might make a mistake up there. He's kind of like, oh, well, you know, and like we see it in games, like where he like mess up, but then like two plays later, you know, he was fine and he didn't seem to let things affect him from mm -hmm. game to game. So I didn't, I didn't really have a, like, even if that was his, his temperament, I guess I didn't have a problem with it. And I feel like, and I understand, I understand because of the leader who Steph is and the tone that he set, like everybody wants everyone to be like Steph, but that's not who he is. And I don't think he has to be like, Steph is unique. Like Kobe wasn't like that, <laughs> you know, like lots of players weren't like that, who still turned out to be great players. So I guess I'm just not sold on this idea that he had to be like benched and DNP'd, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, well, look, here's the evidence. He's playing better. I said, but there's other things that happen. Like, <laughs> he's playing at the four. He's getting game time. He's not being yanked the second he makes a, a, a mistake. Like there's the, there's, there's a, there's a peace of mind. I think that goes along with knowing that like, I'm not just going to get pulled. If I do something that probably even makes you loosen up and say, okay, you know? Um, and then also just the fact that you're getting the reps, you're getting the reps and you get to play. So like, we'll never know what, like, I guess, accounted for the change but I just think it's a little naive to believe like how long has it been like a month a few weeks I don't know what it amounts to but so just in a few weeks by doing that all of a sudden this completely changed like <laughs> like it just it seems it seems like really strong confirmation bias to me and not realistic but I'm curious from you you hoop you know, you've, I'm sure you've dealt with like different coaches and I'm not saying that there's not times that a player won't need that, but I think this incessant need to want to like, I don't know, get the players in their place. It just sort of like, I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. Um, but what are your thoughts on him and, and, and maybe what has contributed to his success or him looking improved now? Yeah. Um, I agree with you saying like, you don't know, right? Like we can we can speculate and say, oh, it was him being benched that triggered something in him, or we can say like it was just uh, coach had more confidence in him to play him more, so he played with more confidence in himself. You know, it's just ultimately only he knows um, what's contributing to him playing better. Um, so, as a, as someone who has played, you know, and been in situations where I can make a thousand mistakes in a row and I won't be taken out, or I've been in, situations where I make even a half a mistake and I'm getting yanked. Like I've been on both sides of the spectrum myself. And obviously it's different at the NBA level when that money is involved in all the different dynamics of being a high draft pick and stuff. So I think it definitely makes a difference when you are playing, looking over your shoulder, right? When you're playing and say, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm coming out and I'm not playing for the rest of this game or next game. You know, it, it, it does something for your game when you have the confidence from your coach to say, okay, we, we trust you enough to live through a potential mistake that you might make because we know that you're going to help us 
um, impact the game in a positive way when you're out there over the course of however many minutes that you are out there. So, like like I said, it's it's more speculation whether or not you know anything in particular contributed to him playing better. I think we should just all be happy that he is playing the way that he's playing and, you know, hopefully he can continue it. So we won't even have to think about this part of the season anymore or the, the portion of the season before here um, anymore. So. And do you think he's going to get to a place that he'll really be able to help them for the postseason? Oh yeah. I think he's there. I think he's shown over the last few weeks when you put him on Luca and he guarded him well, you put him on Tatum, he guarded him well. Um, he showed last year they put him on guys. He, I remember it, I think they put him on James Harden or something when they played Brooklyn, and James Harden had a tough time. They put him on Lamelo Ball early season last year. I think it's very clear like what he can do on the court, and I think Kerr's you know the confidence is growing there. I think Draymond is another guy that's probably advocating for him, especially Andre as well. So I think he's firmly putting himself in the playoff rotation at this point, and they absolutely need it because they aren't as deep as we thought they were going to be this season. So uh, yeah, I think he's there. He's, he's firmly in the rotation at this point, probably 15 to 22 minutes per game type of guy going forward. Are there any teams you really want to see? I mean, you mentioned like when we did like recorded the the last pod, like that you want to see like how he looks like in the Bucks, but he struggled some with the, with the um, Grizzlies last year when we played them, but now he's a, another year <laughs> um more mature whatever so i mean i'm curious to see what he's going to look like when we play the grizzlies on christmas day but mm-hmm. um you're shaking your head so maybe you're curious too but are there any teams in particular that you want to see like how he looks versus those teams yeah definitely memphis uh just because they just need another guy that they can put in front of john morant they're obviously going to try wiggins they're going to try dante um but it's tough to stay in front of that guy. He's so athletic and quick and he's slippery, small, that type of guy. Um, and just teams in general that have a lot of athletes because we're going to need to play as all of our athletes. And he's one of them. So the Grizzlies, for sure, we've already seen how he looks kind of against the Pelicans. He did a good job. He, we saw he blocked Zion once and just he's one of those guys when it's a, when it's a team that has another guy on there that just a freak. He is shown like, OK, I'm just as freaky freakish not freaky but freakish as um you guys out there i feel like he likes that like he wants to go toe-to-toe with those guys which is why i don't want to like ruin his confidence and i don't think he can to be honest but i like that like he looked at tatum Mm -hmm. like yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. um he wants that like he and i like that i love that you know as long as he doesn't get so lost in the like, you know, potential one-on-one matchup and that he's not playing with them. But like, I like that. I want him going at people. Yep. And I mean, I said this a few pods ago, like he he's cut from that cloth. Like that is the Warriors cloth right there. Like Draymond early in his career, him and Blake Griffin, like he's like, I'm better than Blake, like whatever. Steph obviously going toe to toe with Russ and KD and Chris Paul and all the best players in the league at the time. Clay is one of the most competitive people that I mean, all of them say that Clay's like the most competitive guy of the bunch, right? He just wants to win so bad. And even Jordan, you know, always talking with people, like getting into it with guys, got into it with Dame as a rookie before he even established his name. 
that's the Warriors cloth. That's what makes them so good. It's a big reason what makes them so good is they execute and they're all super competitive. They hate losing. And that's how you build a dynasty. And that's why I think he slides right into that mold easily. And he should be someone that they invest in long term because he fits their, you know, their makeup. So I love it too. All right. So Joku's the keeper and he's helping to shore up our defense. And we're excited about that. That that those are my takeaways, Justin. I agree. I agree. And he's, All right, a, he's a postered machine. So we're going to be getting some more posters. You oh, know who I need sure. him to poster? Chris Paul. I don't even care about him. John Morant. John Morant. John Morant. I doubt John will ever jump with him. But I need cool. one on John Morant. Like, I know you know what we need. We need John to try to dunk on him and he just like palms it and stuffs it. That would be <laughs> I don't know if he would. He'd probably jump with Jaw, but that that's risky because Jaw is. I'm so tired of hearing about all his old. If he would have made that, like shut the fuck up. Like I don't want to hear about old <laughs> maids. Okay, like enough. Listen, Andrew gave me Luca. I need. I need Luca Joe. Yeah, but it's Luca's best. Brandon might have even been like, look, and didn't he go with Cat too? Now that I'm thinking about it, um, yeah, listen. It, but it's look. It, sometimes it's nastier, like it's other people. But when you do it to the stars, you know you get Luca, you get Jason Tatum. You know what I'm saying? So I need, I need Ja to get embarrassed. <laughs> Needs to happen. Whether it's a block, a poster, whatever it is, but I need it to happen because them dudes be talking too much, yo. <laughs> yeah, it's that would be amazing. Anyway, Justin, I appreciate you. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed this little extra bonus from us. We they got us working hard over here, so <laughs> we putting in work. You know, you interrupting Justin's dating life. So I hope y'all appreciate that. <laughs> oh All right, but y'all will be hearing from us again soon. Looking forward to this Bucks game. So until next time, guys, this is Golden Spaces with Nat and Justin. Um, we'll be back soon. Take care. Download, rate, review. You know the drill. See y'all soon or talk to y'all soon. Take care. <laughs>